Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. Andrew brought good news to me. I could understand the Bible more the way he taught it. Jesus forgave you one time, and that's for everything. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of The Gospel Truth. This week, I've started a new series entitled, A Better Way to Pray. I have a book on that in English and in Spanish, and then we have CDs and DVDs that were taken from our television program on this. And I tell you, this teaching on prayer is, I've, I've said this on Monday, I think it was, but it's one of my most uh, loved teachings by those who receive it, and it's also one of my most hated teachings by those who can't stomach it. Because the very first thing I do, and, and this is based on the um, leadership of Jesus, when he started talking about prayer here in Matthew chapter 6, the very first thing he did was say, don't be like the hypocrites. They love to pray. And he showed that you can be 100% hypocritical and, and pray these long prayers and do all of these things. And he started just attacking the wrong uses of prayer. And when I start teaching, I do this same thing. And, and this week I've been talking about how that there's so much hypocrisy and just religious uh, stuff that's in prayer. And boy, this turns a lot of people off. And as I get further into this series, I'm going to go to teaching against the predominant way that intercession is taught in the body of Christ today. I believe it is not godly at all. It actually causes a lot of problems. And boy, there are some people that this is like a sacred cow to them. You can't talk against intercession. And I'm going to be giving a lot of specifics and showing you things from Scripture that in the New Testament we pray differently than we prayed in the Old Testament. And uh, boy, this gets a lot of people upset, but at the same time, it sets a lot of people free. And I tell you, there's just a lot of people that are under bondage because of traditions and doctrines of men. Jesus said in Mark chapter 7, verse 13, that your traditions and doctrines of men make the Word of God of none effect. And we have a lot of religious traditions and doctrines about prayer that are not compatible with Scripture and it voids the Word, and it makes your prayers ineffective. I tell you, we should be praying for results, not just praying for the sake of praying. And if you are looking for results, if you want prayer that works, there is a better way to pray. And the very first thing we're going to have to do is come against the religious traditions and doctrines of men. So let me go back and read these words of Jesus again in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And it says, And when thou prayest, Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. That's where I quit yesterday, and I was just emphasizing that there are so many people that think the longer you pray, the better. And that's not the way that God looks at it. He says it's not vain repetition. It is an error to think that you will be heard more because you talk longer. 
man, that's just wrong. And yet this is pretty much the way most people think. At one time, I thought this same thing. I thought if praying an hour a day was good, praying two hours a day would be better. Praying four hours a day would be better. And I used to do that. I used to pray three and four hours a day. And I still pray all of the time, but now it's more just conversational prayer. I'm in constant communion and fellowship with the Lord and praying about things. Certainly there are times that I have something specific that I'm dealing with and I'll focus just on that. And I may be uh, focused on something for an hour or two to the exclusion of everything else. And I have those times, but the vast majority of my prayer time is just constant communion with the Lord. It is not thinking that I'll be heard and somehow or another have a better relationship with God if I pray long periods of time. Jesus is saying that's not true. And he said that they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. In verse eight, it says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. Now, this is an important piece of information, and this is coming from Jesus, the perfect representation of God. God manifest in the flesh, and he's telling us how to relate to the Father, and he says that prayer is not an opportunity to inform poor misinformed God of your situation. And I tell you, I am shocked. I hear the prayers of a lot of people. I go into many churches and people write and tell me what they're praying and stuff. And I tell you, it is just nearly, uh, you know, predominant that people think God doesn't know what's going on. And so they have to tell him the whole thing. They spread out their doctor's report. Oh God, the doctor says this and this is happening. And, and they just, and it's like they are somehow or another having to impress on God how serious their situation is. If you think that, if you feel like you just have to tell God every single thing that's going on, because otherwise he may not recognize how important it is, how serious your situation is, he may neglect it well, then you've already started from a totally wrong place. God is all-knowing. God knows everything about you. He knows your situation better than you know your situation. Prayer is not an opportunity to inform poor misinformed God about your situation. You need to just take the words of Jesus here and recognize that He knows what you have need of before you even ask Him. Now, let me just say some things and I'll answer this later in this series. But if you are following what I'm saying, it's not your long prayers. It's not your mannerisms, standing on the street corner, praying to be seen of people. It is not your, you're going to be heard more if you talk long. God knows what you need before you even ask. If you really understand what Jesus is saying, well, then this raises a question. Well, then why even pray? Why even tell my problems to God? Why even ask God for help if God already knows everything about it? Well, then what is the point of me praying? I'm going to answer that later. I'm not going to answer it right now, but let me just say that if you are truly tracking with me and, and if you are following what Jesus said, that should be a logical question. It comes up, well, that if God already knows everything, if it's not the length of my prayers is going to gain me extra credit, and stuff like this, well, then what is the point of praying? There's, there's still a lot of benefit to prayer, and I'm going to be talking about this as we go through the series, but I'm saying that that should be a place that every person watching this program comes to. 
all right, if God is already all-knowing, if God already loves me, if I don't have to convince Him and stuff, well, then why do I have to pray? Why do we have to go through all of this? Keep that question because I'm going to answer that later, but that is a logical question. You are not trying to inform poor, misinformed God. And I tell you, I just get... And it's nearly amusing. If it wasn't pathetic, it would be amusing to, you know, when you listen to some of the prayers of people and the way that they pray and the way that they talk to God. You know, we've got a song that I used to sing and it to me is just the epitome of an unscriptural song. It's a catchy tune, but it's one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And it starts by saying, Lord, you know, if you're looking below, it's worse now than then. What a stupid statement. Like, if, if God is looking below, if God is paying attention, I mean, to think things like that are completely a, an insult against God, as if God isn't paying attention, what's going on. And, but we sing things like that. We pray like this. We pray stupid stuff. I know that some of you think, well, man, you're making me so self-conscious about the way I pray. Now I... I'm not sure that I'll feel free to go in and just pray to the Lord. Well, I know that this has the potential to unsettle you, but sometimes you got to terrify a person before you can edify them. You got to tear down the junk in their life that is hindering their relationship with the Lord and get down to just the bare rock so that you can put in a good foundation and build the proper things. This is exactly what Jesus did. I feel 100% secure in approaching prayer from this perspective because before he talked about what prayer was, he talked about what prayer was not. He countered the religious traditions and doctrines of man. And I tell you what, we are as religious and as messed up today as the Jewish system that Jesus came into when he was walking here on this earth. The so-called Christian church today is just full of religious traditions. And I tell you, it is as dominant in prayer as in any place else. So this may not have felt good, but it's the truth and it'll set you free. So Jesus goes on to say in Matthew chapter six, verse nine, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I'm gonna go through this prayer, but let me just say that some people think that this is a prayer that you just have to recite, that these are the exact words that you need to pray. Let me just make a couple of comments. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I could defend this more. But this isn't a New Testament prayer. The New Testament did not really go into effect until after the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus told us that in the New Covenant, we are supposed to pray in His name. Whatsoever we ask the Father in His name, the Father will grant it for us. This prayer is not prayed in the name of Jesus. This isn't a New Testament prayer. This is not a prayer that we are supposed to recite these words. But I believe that this is more like a model prayer. It gives us the elements of prayer that we are supposed to use. Just as over in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, you know, it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. That's telling you how you're supposed to approach him. And this does the same thing. In verse nine, here's how you start your prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now see, I think it's good that when you enter in, instead of just coming out with your need, with your problem, you first of all, you glorify God and you say, 
you know, that uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then the second thing here in verse 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You start talking about how awesome God is. Instead of talking about how terrible your problem is, start talking about how God is, how awesome he is. And see, I believe that this is the point that's being made. Not that you're supposed to say these exact words, but instead of coming with your problem, like you, you've got this thing, the doctor says you're going to die. And so you're just so focused. Oh God, here's my problem. And you spend 30 minutes talking about your problem. All that's done is discourage you to rehash all of these negative things. But instead, what you should do is come and say, Father, our Father which art in heaven, you come in and you say, Father, you are in heaven. You are above everything else. You are the one that created everything. Nothing's impossible with you. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I believe that your will is coming to pass. And by the time you get through glorifying God, then you come to your need and, oh yeah, the doctor said I was going to die. But you know, you've, in your word, you raise people from the dead. All things are possible to him that believes. If I will speak to this mountain and doubt not in my heart, it'll be cast into the sea. And by the time you have praised God, well, then it shrinks your problem down to where instead of you speaking all of your fear and unbelief, you now have already praised God and praised the answer more than the problem. And then he ends it, you know, down here with saying, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. So you start with praise unto God. You end with praise unto God. And if you would approach God in this manner, this method, not necessarily using these exact words, but if you would approach him in this method where you start with praise, you end with praise, you slip your request in between, well, then you know what? It would keep you from being overwhelmed with the impossibility of your situation. It would put it into its proper context, into its proper perspective, and it would keep you built up instead of discouraged. But see, there's a lot of people that when they come to God, they just, oh God, and they talk about their problems and they just talk about how horrendous it is and this is impossible. The doctor says, I'm going to die. You never even mention what God says. You don't quote the scripture in Psalms 118. I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And you just spew forth your doubt and your fear and your unbelief. That's not what God is telling us to do. This is telling you the way to pray, not the exact words, but you are supposed to come in and start saying, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's talking about praising him, talking about how holy, how great he is above everything. Philippians chapter two, that he has been given a name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. Anything that's got a name has to bow the knee to Jesus. If it's cancer, if it's leukemia, if it's AIDS, if it's anything, it's got a name. It's got to bow the name to knee to Jesus. See, if you would start worshiping him and remind yourself of these things before you slip your request in, then you'd be so much better. And this is what the Lord is talking about. So you enter into his gates with praise. You thank him. You pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, there's lots of people that recite this and say these words hundreds of times. But then they'll sit there and say, well, it's not God's will for us to be well. It's not God's will for us to prosper. We have to suffer. It's our pain. It's our suffering that makes us better. And they will be praying these words and yet living something contrary to it. It says we are supposed to pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, there isn't sickness. There's not pain. There's not sorrow. 
There's not depression. There's not all of these things. If you really believe the words that we were saying, we should believe for supernatural results in this life. As it says in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, that Jesus gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil world. Not just the one to come, not just hell, but he gave himself to deliver us from this present evil world. God's will is to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. You know, this isn't a request in the sense that, Lord, will you give me my bread? But it's a demand. It is a request, but it's a request that's a demand. It just says, give us this day our daily bread. And you know, this shows a familiarity. It shows, first of all, the grace of God, the goodness of God towards us, that here's Almighty God that we can come up and just say, give us this day our daily bread. That's not because we're arrogant and thinking that, you know, somehow or another we can force God to do it, but it's similar to a little child. A little child just comes running into the kitchen and says, Mom, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. And that's familiarity. That's not disrespect. It's actually, it, it, it's a recognition that that parent loves the child so much that the child can come and just make a demand like that. If, if I was at your house and your child came in and then they fell on the floor and they just laid before you and said, I know I'm not worthy and I know I didn't make my bed and I know I didn't take out the trash and I know I haven't been kind to my brother or sister the way I should have been, but please, I'm hungry. Could you please spare me just a little bit of something? If that's the way that your child approached you, I would think there is something seriously wrong in this house your relationship with that child's not good. It's really good when the child just come, jumps up on your lap and tells you what they want and stuff. It's a familiarity, it's, it's love. And this is the way that he's saying right here. He didn't say, oh God, we're unworthy, but could you please spare us a little piece of bread today? No, you just come and say, give us this day our daily bread. Father, we, we know that you want to do it. See, this is... This is in faith. This is in trust that God is for us and not against us. He's already provided our needs and all you got to do is just reach out and take what is yours. You just are boldly coming in and saying, Father, I'm receiving what is mine today. So you say, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, you need to operate in love towards others. You need to receive God's cleansing for yourself, but you need to extend it towards others. There's a place for that in prayer. And in verse 13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In other words, this is praying for guidance that God will, will lead you around obstacles and around problems, keep you from making stupid mistakes. You're spending time asking God for his wisdom that's what this is talking about. And then you end it with saying, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You started by talking about hallowed be your name, that he's in heaven, he's above all. You end it by saying yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. If you will sandwich your request in between praise to God for how awesome he is, you know, it's like a slice of bread. You have to have a slice of bread on the bottom and on the top and then you stick the meat or whatever on the inside. Well, you need to sandwich your request in between praise. Start in praise, talking about how awesome he is. He's higher than anything. And you end it with his is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. This is the way that you're supposed to pray. 
And so these things right here, this is just so against religion. And I love the way that Jesus introduced this. Rather than just talking about prayer and leaving all of these wrong conceptions about prayer out there that people are going to bring it into their relationship and they're going to mix the way the Pharisees did it and think you have to pray long periods of time and you got to explain everything to God. Instead, God just eradicates all those things. He gets rid of it and then teaches them the correct way to pray. That's what I'm trying to do here is before I get into the heart of talking about what prayer is, we're talking about what prayer is not. And I know that some of the things I've said may have been offensive to people. You may feel like that I'm criticizing the way that you've always done it. But let me just present it to you this way. How is prayer working for you? The vast majority of people that I minister to, their prayers are not working very well. They believe God can heal, but they struggle to be healed. They believe that you are supposed to have joy and peace, but they don't walk in it very often. They believe that you're supposed to be prosperous, but they aren't experiencing it. They're praying for it. They're asking for it. And yet they aren't seeing their prayers work. And yet when I come out against it and start challenging our attitudes towards prayer, people just swell up like a toad. They get offended and start saying, you're critical of me. Well, how is the way you're praying working for you? If it's not working then maybe you ought to consider that there is a better way to pray. I mean, that's just as simple as it can be. I know that the vast majority of people watching this program do not feel like that you really have an effective, effective effectual prayer life. You know that there's lots of things you've been praying for that you haven't seen come to pass. And yet, when I start countering some of the things that Jesus said were the problem and that we've got to get rid of this kind of stuff, people get offended because I'm countering their traditions. Man, that's just crazy. If what you're doing isn't working that well for you, you should be open to at least listen to something that's different. And, you know, it may be that, that the way you're praying is just fine. But, I mean, you ought to be open to what the Word says. You ought to go and, and consider these things. Do you really love the praise of men? Do you pray to get attention? Do you brag about how much time you spend in prayer? Do you think that the longer you pray, the more God is prone to listen to you? Do you go in and have to explain to God what your situation is because you think He doesn't know? I mean, are you guilty of these things that the Lord is talking about? If you are, then you need to humble yourself. You need to change. If you have to change your whole personality and your voice when you go to praying and you can't just be real with God and talk to Him like you'd talk to me or talk to anybody else, then you need to consider these things that we're talking about. You need to make some adjustments. And so the very first thing that we're doing is before we can get into what prayer is and how to effectively pray, we got to get rid of some of these religious concepts that have been crammed down our throat and get back to what the Word of God teaches. Well, this is just really, really simple. I'm out of time today, but I do have this book entitled A Better Way to Pray. I also have it in Spanish, and uh, we would love to send this book to you. We also have it in CD and in DVD form. If you'll listen, our announcer will give you information about how to receive these products. And also when you call, you can get someone to pray with you. We have effective, trained prayer ministers on our phones that can pray with you and help you. So 
please call or write today and receive these materials. Andrew's teaching titled, A Better Way to Pray, is available in the Better Way to Pray package, which includes two books, A Better Way to Pray and The Believer's Authority, as well as your choice of either the CD albums or DVD albums from both teachings. This package has a catalog value of $105, but you can get it today for only $75. If you prefer, the Better Way to Pray resources are available individually as either a book, study guide, CD album, or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of July, Andrew will be at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park, Colorado for the annual Summer Family Bible Conference. Guest speakers include Barry Bennett, Stephen Bransford, Carrie Pickett, Greg Moore, Wendell Parr, Paul Milligan, Lawson Perdue, Billy Epperhart, Mark Coward, and Congressman Bob McEwen. Bring your family and join us for great teaching, delicious barbecue, and a special patriotic musical production titled, In God We Trust. Next, Andrew will be in College Park, Georgia for Dr. Creflo Dollar's Grace Life Conference. Later in July, Andrew will be back in Woodland Park to host the Stand for Truth and Liberty Conference with special guest Bishop E.W. Jackson, David Barton, William Federer, Iverson Jackson, Cecil Bly, Alan West, Tim Barton, Dr. Melvin Johnson, and Richard Harris. Also in July, Andrew will be hosting a special Karis Day live stream event. Please note that the main campus in Woodland Park will not be open to guests. This event will take place only at participating Karis Extension campuses worldwide. And in August, he'll again be in Woodland Park to host the Kingdom Youth Conference with special guests Todd White, Ryan Edberg, and Joseph Z, and worship performances by the bands Versus, Bread of Stone, and Shamlock. Andrew will also be in Woodland Park for the annual Healing is Here Conference with special guests Greg Moore, Audrey Mack, Todd White, Daniel Amstutz, and Carly Tiradez. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. 
Oh, this is Andrew Womack, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Jamie, and we are going to tell you about our July the 4th musical that is going to yes. be spectacular this year. It's a part of our Summer Family Bible Conference, and Jamie is one of the performers in it. Right now we sing in it. We sing traditional American songs, and then we're going to have some new songs, and it is called In God We Trust. It's an hour and a half of a lot of American history. It'd be great for your teenagers to hear, your mm -hmm. children to hear. Very important this day and time. And it's it's got the most American history crammed into this of anything I have ever seen. We did it last year for the first time. It's new and improved this year part of our Summer Family Bible Conference. You would love it, so make plans to join us July the 4th for our In God We Trust musical.